to Matthew 21, and I'm going to start in verse 17. <clears throat> so then he left them and went out of the city unto Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things... Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. And we'll pause there. And I'll pray before I continue. Father, again, once uh, as we turn in to your word, um, Lord, I just ask that you would just help me this morning as I'm bringing this message, that you would give me the words to speak. Uh, I pray, Lord, that this message would be clear and that it would be helpful, profitable for each one here, Lord, that we would be encouraged and strengthened from our time together and from our looking into your word, Lord. So we just ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. No? Oh, try the other one, Chris. Hello, hello. <laughs> What's that? This one? Try, try the portable one. Hello, testing. Yes, no. No. On? No. It's not on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. I'll, I'll start. Wow. <laughs> That's working. <laughs> this. All right. So this. Down a little. There we go. Still, still loud. But. All right. Where were we? <laughs> all right. We get this. The story of the fig tree, and. I just want to want to look over at Mark 11. We get a, the the same basic account, but there's a, a little difference here that changes the circumstance just slightly. Mark 11, um, down verse 12. It says, on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, and if happily might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. 
it continues and says, And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went up into the temple and began to cast out them that sold. In Matthew, we read this account of him going into the temple before we read the account of him going to the fig tree. And in this passage, when we get to um, verse 20, it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree, which thou curse, is withered away. And so, in Matthew, we don't see the delay, but there's a, a day's delay. So one morning they pass by and he's looking at the tree. And it's the next day as they pass by the same tree again that it's withered. It's not like that moment it withered. It was, but by the next day it was. And it's just maybe helpful to put some of that perspective in our minds. But this passage in Mark also says something interesting. And this is taking place after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that week prior to his crucifixion. And that's right now, this time of year. And this time of year in Jerusalem, just kind of like here, but a little bit warmer, is springtime. And from what I can gather of looking up some information about fig trees, they are actually kind of early to grow leaves. And so this fig tree had grown its leaves at this time of year. But Mark says the time of figs was not yet. Jesus goes and says, if happily, he's hungry. Remember, Jesus is like us. <laughs> he gets hungry. He had physical needs and physical desires that when he was hungry, he looked for food. He tried to feed himself and yet didn't miraculously feed himself, right? He, we, we've looked at miracles where Jesus fed thousands of people miraculously from just straps. <laughs> and yet when he's hungry and he goes to this tree looking for food that he's hoping is naturally going to be there and doesn't find it, he's angry at the tree <laughs> for not producing fruit at a time of year that he has no reason to suspect that it would... Jesus, do you know who Jesus is? <laughs> he's the one that made the tree. He's the one that made the tree's cycle of when it's going to produce fruit. And he knows, in his human form, he still knows that there's a chance that there's some fruit sitting on that tree. Maybe it's last year's fruit, or maybe it's an early spring crop. And he's hoping that there's fruit there. Um, it just seems, when you understand who Jesus is... <laughs> You look at the miracles that he's done when it comes to food, when it comes to walking on water, he defies gravity and physics and all natural processes when he's doing something for a purpose. But when it comes to just feeding his own belly, he's like 
hoping for something. It's like me going out this morning. I'm a mechanic. I know what a diesel truck is like in the morning at minus 20. And I know when I walked out this morning, and I'm pretty sure the preheat on my truck is no longer working. <laughs> I know when I turn that key, the truck is not going to start. And yet this morning I walked out at 8.30 and turned that key anyway, hoping that that truck would start. And that's what Jesus did with this tree. He's like He knows there's no reason to expect fruit on the tree. But he goes out and looks at the tree and walks up to it, hoping that it, there's something there. And it's just not. Um, fig trees actually do produce a spring crop. Um, they, they fruit two times in a year. And so they do produce an early fruit. There, there was like a slight chance that there might be something on that. But you know, as I look at what is said about fruit, uh, fig trees, that spring fruit is typically not an edible thing. <laughs> it's not the good harvest. It's, it, it, things can be done with it, but it's not what's desirable. The desirable fruit is actually in the fall time. And so the whole idea of Jesus going to this tree looking for, for food is almost ridiculous. And yet, he's angry at it and curses the tree And doesn't it seem funny? Like Jesus just curses this tree and, and says, nobody's ever going to eat from you again since you didn't have fruit when I wanted fruit. <laughs> and he walks away from the tree. And the next day, the tree is withered. And the disciples, you ever wonder what the disciples are thinking? as he walks up to a tree looking for fruit when they all know that there's not going to be anything on it. And yet, okay, Jesus, <laughs> you, you thought there was going to be something. It's early spring. It's not producing yet. And yet, they go through this process. And the next day, and obviously this was significant enough in their mind that the next day when they see the tree withered, they remember that tree and that's the tree that he walked up to looking for fruit when there shouldn't be fruit and got angry at it and cursed it. And that tree died. And they're amazed that the tree died. It says that in verse 20 in Matthew 21. It says, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled. They marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? It's not like, you know, the next year it just didn't produce fruit, or that fall it didn't produce fruit. It just died. <laughs> when we look at who Jesus is, um, in, if you want to turn with me, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. While you're going there, 
John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, says this about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This is describing, in the beginning was the Word. The, the Word is Jesus. Jesus is the Word in the, John's... When, when John, you read through the epistles of John and anything, and even in Revelation, every one of those things refers to Jesus again as the Word. When we get to Colossians chapter 1, we start in verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father which made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, so in his dear Son, that's Jesus, in whom, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who, that's Jesus, making sure we're following what it's at, who it's talking about. Who, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, and for by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and for him. Jesus himself is the person of the Godhead that did the creation. When we read Genesis chapter 1, and God created, it's Jesus, the, the Son, who is doing the creating. And John chapter 1 says that, and this says it quite clearly, that it is him who did that. Verse 17 finishes this, and it says, And he is before all things. Jesus is eternal, right? So he, he wasn't a created being. <laughs> he is God. He was eternal. He is before all things. And by him, all things consist. If Jesus stops holding this world together, <laughs> it will disintegrate and fly apart. It's by him that things are held together and actually remain in existence. And so as soon as Jesus is angry <laughs> and tells this tree that you're no longer going to produce, that thing dies. Do you ever think about, this is a tree, <laughs> and this is what happens to this tree. What about us? When we reject God, when God's looking at us, and he wants us to produce fruit, <laughs> not physical 
edible things, but fruit as in he wants us to grow and mature. He wants us to be examples of him and to spread the gospel and be productive for his kingdom. What if we're not? What's the result in us in that case? Um, it's funny, conversations. We just had a conversation on, on Thursday at Bible study. Not part of the Bible study, but this, this passage in Second Peter is exactly that point. Second Peter chapter 1. start at the beginning of it. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. This is our calling. <laughs> He's called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's this aspect of growth. We, need, we come to Christ through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We need to just, the Bible just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We need to believe for salvation. It comes through faith, just trusting in God and believing Him and His Word in what He's done. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end goal of, I got my ticket, now I'm going to heaven, and now I just carry on with my life. And maybe I'll go to church on Sundays because that's what you're supposed to do. That's not it. It's not the, the end of the story. It says to your to, to faith, add virtue. And to that, add knowledge. And to that, add brotherly kindness. To that, add charity. To add, like, just keep adding and growing and producing. And it says, it's those things that are needed in order for us to produce fruit. In order for us to actually do something for God and be productive as a Christian, 
You can't just stop at faith believing that. You need to change. We need to grow and go beyond just faith. We need to... There's a, a new life. We're supposed to put away the old things and put on a new... We're a new creature. It's a change. And there's a growth that needs to happen. When Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, that means you're starting over as an infant, and that's where your faith. Okay, now I'm born again. I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. That means you're a baby in Christ. You're a babe in Christ. Time to start eating. We need to read the Word, be fed, and we need to grow and see what it says that we're to do. And start changing our life. And start growing as a new person in Him so that we can produce fruit. If we continue reading this, verse 9 says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study so that we know what the book says, so that we know what God expects of us. We can't just make that up on our own, with our own ideas of who God is and what God wants. We have to conform to his word. So we need to study his word to know what that says for us to do. And it says, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. If you don't start to grow, you'll forget what that faith accomplished, that you were purged from your old sins. You can be saved and not grow and not be productive. It's not that you lose your salvation, but but there's a loss there of productivity that God expects from us. God wants us to be productive. And we're back in Matthew here. Jesus' response to the disciples marveling at this tree withering away, his answer, Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 21, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Whatsoever ye shall ask, believing, ye shall receive. And if when I read in Mark, Mark recorded. In verse, chapter 11, verse 22, he says, 
And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. <laughs> like, just believe. <laughs> we need to believe God. As I said, I had to put my own message into practice this morning. As I went out, hoping against mechanical <laughs> probability that my truck doesn't start at minus 20 without being plugged in and pre-warmed and all these things. And I tried anyway. But I went in prayer and I'm trusting that somehow God will allow this truck to start this morning so that I hear to be with you guys this morning. And after the second or third time of me going in the house after trying and failing, um, and I did, I put the bucket of hot coals under there right away this morning. And um, this story came to mind. I imagine a lot of you have heard it. But it's worth reading again. This is and I didn't get the actual story. It's more of somebody telling the gist of the story. But it's about a terrible drought. And the crops are dried up and the livestock are dying of thirst. And there's this community who is suffering through this drought. And the minister of the little church in that community asked the members of his congregation to fast and pray for rain. And the entire community was asked to join in a massive appeal to the Lord that in his mercy he would send rain. And people gathered, joining in prayer and hoping to pierce the heavens that seemed to seal the life-sparing moisture from the earth. And among the crowd of the community people was one girl who in an act of faith brought an umbrella. And she was the only one who's praying for rain that actually acted as if it was going to. She was the only one in faith that believed and went prepared to receive the answer to her prayers. And so this morning, I had to go out with this passage in mind, saying, God, I believe <laughs> that you can make that vehicle start. That you will, I believe that you want me <laughs> at church this morning. I believe that you can. And so as I went and turned the key the last time, it was cranking slower than ever. <laughs> and I thought, what do you want me to do, God? And, you know, I don't hear God speaking in an audible voice, but God says, go get the can of ether that you had kicked over the other day in the garage. <laughs> and so I did. Did a little squirt of ether and cranked. It cranked faster, and it started. And it was just like, I, I, you know, I've worked on... As I started as a mechanic, I wasn't that knowledgeable, and I had this old tractor, and trying to get that thing started, not knowing what to do, I would pray over this thing, and God would not start that tractor for me. 
basically like I, I needed to learn how a tractor worked. <laughs> God's not going to miraculously just fix the tractor for me and, you know, change the points in the, right? Like I needed to learn a little bit about how this thing actually functions and learn what needed to be fixed. Like, you know, as a mechanic, you know, I didn't just, people didn't drive in and I didn't lay hands on every car and just, you're healed! <laughs> and off, off you go, 100 bucks please. <laughs> That's not how it works. But there are times, like this morning, where I'm like, God, I'm doing what I know needs to happen. I've put the heat here. It's been sitting here for an hour. I can feel that the oil pan is warmed up, and yet I don't have quite the cranking power that I need. I need, you. I need God. I need you to finish this process. I've done what I can, and I hadn't done all that I can, because there was that can of ether that still needed to get sprayed. But God put that in my mind at that last moment, as I just gave it to him, trusting that he would do what needed to, get, to be done. And so, Jesus tells the disciples, you need to believe. When Jesus walked on water, what a strange thing to do. <laughs> Anybody here as a, I'm, I'm assuming as a child, I did it as a child, attempted to step off the dock and walk on water. <laughs> it did not work. But it did for Peter when he was actually looking at Jesus and trusting Jesus, right? But he still realized that this doesn't this shouldn't work and he still fell into the water after a moment we need to trust god regardless of the impossibility of our circumstances regardless of our understanding of physics and biology or whatever the thing is that is in our way and jesus says if you shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. I'm not sure that there's ever been a point in history when anybody has been walking along and, well, that's, get out of here, <laughs> and the mountain moved out of their way. But man, there's been a lot of mountains in people's lives that God has removed as they pray to him, asking for a miracle. And God has given Miracle after miracle to people. Do we believe who he is? And that's what he's asking us to do. Beyond the faith of salvation, do we believe what the Bible says that he is capable of in our lives? Do we trust him with the little things from day to day? Do we walk with him in constant prayer, constant acknowledging of he's there with us. And it's not he's there beside us. The Bible says he's indwelling us. We have God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us from day to day. And we can believe this God who created the universe that gives us breath and makes us exist 
can produce in us things that are otherwise impossible. But we need to believe him. We need to continue to grow. I'm just going to look at James chapter 2. kind of goes there's a bit of a conversation with himself here I guess but the verse 18 really gets to the point of the verse and says yea a man may say thou hast faith and I have works show me thy faith without thy works So many people say they have faith. I believe, right? But there's no fruit that comes from that. And he says, I will show you my faith by my works. We don't work for salvation. We don't, there's absolutely nothing I can do. I can't obey the law. I can't do enough good to undo the sin in my life. I have to come to God in faith, believing that Christ did that for me. There's no work I can do to accomplish salvation, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about from that point of faith forward, God expects something from us, and that's works. He wants us to change our lives and do something productive for him. And so we see this verse where he says, show me your faith without works. Where's your faith? Where is it? showing up in your life, if there's no works, I can't see your faith. I don't think it's really there. If, if it hasn't changed you and you're not actually doing anything, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. I'm living my faith. I'm changing my life and I'm doing the things that God's word says for me to do. And that's how you know that I have faith is because there's fruit. And God expects us to have fruit. I'll finish with 2 Peter 3, verse 18. The, the very last verse that Peter wrote. And it's just an instruction for us. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We need to grow in grace as in my interactions with people the way I treat people, the way I live my life needs to show grace. John 1 says Jesus was full of grace and truth. And there was that balance between some of us really like truth and we love to shove the truth down people's throats. 
and especially this last couple of years, we've really wanted to shove it down some people's throats, right? But we need to do that with grace <laughs> so that they're not choking on that truth. And we need to grow in grace because a lot of us have trouble in that area. And the second part is in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to study to show ourselves approved. <laughs> we need to, to get in here and like, what do you want me to do, God? How do you want me to live? And conform ourselves to those things. We need to let God change who we are, the way we act, the things that we do. We're, gonna, we're getting into, as I said, the book of Revelation in our Bible study. And we just kind of started to mention the seven churches that he writes to and this, this messages of the seven angels to the seven churches. And the last church in that list is Laodicea. And it says, you're lukewarm. What does lukewarm look like? I think it looks like my life. Where I go to church on Sunday and I, I read my Bible in the morning and I, I give God this little bit of my, my day. But what does the rest of my day look like? I'm more focused and I spend more time on other things without a thought of what I read in the morning. <laughs> I'm supposed to meditate on these things day and night. Do we do that? Or do we just get caught up in what's going on? I, I mentioned in Bible study on Thursday that I spend more time watching some people on YouTube and hearing their opinions of what's going on in the world than what I spent reading my Bible prior to that. That's what lukewarm looks like. When I put more time and more thought into what other people are saying and thinking and their opinions than I'm putting on God, that is lukewarm. And that's not what God wants of us. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of Him, which there's got to be a more focus on who God is and what God wants of me. But God wants us to be... It's not, I need to spend all day reading and praying. That's not... God wants us to be productive people. <laughs> but the start of our day with Him should dictate what the rest of that day looks like. And everything that I do from that point on should be with the thought of, I'm taking God with me, and He's here with me, no matter what it is that I'm doing, no matter what I'm looking at, no matter what I'm reading or seeing or watching or doing, God is there by my side, taking part in that with me. And that should be a constant thought in my mind. And so no matter what is going on, I, I need to be in constant conversation with God, constantly thinking of the things in his word that I've read in the morning. And how does that affect me? How does that play out in my life? Some people have such a, a low esteem of who God is. When you ask them, 
would you take Jesus with you as you do this thing? As you, and I need to, need to ask this question. When, if you sit down to watch a movie, would you be comfortable asking Jesus to come and sit down beside you to watch this movie with you? And if you've got such a low esteem of who Jesus is or such a, a low picture of who he is, of his holiness, of his righteousness, of, of his character, that you're going to watch some movie that has a sex scene in it or just a flash of nudity or is full of cursing or whatever <laughs> the many, many sinful things that go on in our world. And this is the pictures of those things, and this is how we're entertained, it's wrong. We need to change, and I'm preaching to me as much as I am to anybody, we need to change those things, what we're entertained by, the things that we partake in. We need to consider the holiness of God as we're doing that to change our behaviors. It needs to change us. There needs to be this growth in grace and in the knowledge of him. Let us pray. Lord, I'm just grateful for Christ, for the example that he was, um, for the truth of your word, Lord. And Lord, we, we need to trust you more. We need to believe what the Bible says about who you are um, and what you want from us, Lord. And just help us to, to apply these things in our lives from day to day. Lord, I just commit this to you and ask that you would work both in us and through us. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Carrie and Kathy will come and we'll sing one more hymn.